can do discipleship. You can't do discipleship without long-term relationships. So we, we made a, a community a huge part of our church. That's 2018. 2019, the theme was fruitfulness. It was, we asked the question, what do we want God to do as we faithfully live out his commands? That was, the, that was what 2019 was. 2020, the theme was the adventure. And we're just going to leave it at that. <laughs> and, and 2021, this year, the theme is maturity. Maturity. Okay, and, uh, and today, the main thing today is spiritual immaturity will ruin us, but spiritual maturity will prosper us. That's what the main thing is today. I want you guys to, to, to think about that. And, uh, and so, as, as I was thinking about the, uh, the, 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 the growth process that God makes us, something just really hit me, and that is immaturity is not always bad. Now, now uh, don't, don't, don't take that out of context. Say, well, the pastor said spiritual. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that it's not always a bad thing. Immaturity is a necessary stage of life. Um, if we are to go next door to the children's ministry area, we would see a lot of immature little kids. Infants, back in the very back there. Toddlers. We don't, ex God did not design them to be adults yet. There were necessary phases to go through. So I'm not necessarily saying that spiritual immaturity is a bad thing. It, it, it is a, actually a very necessary thing if it's a phase, but it is very destructive if it's a lifestyle. Okay, so um, as we move into this, we have to look at what spiritual immaturity is. I, wanna, I want you guys to turn to 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. This is a, an off-quoted uh, passage of Scripture, and I've heard it used by many, many, many people. Um, but this is um, what I want to focus in on today. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. Paul writes this to his protege, Timothy. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. And I've heard that quoted by pastors and by prophets and everything talking about the end days. Look how awful society is going to be. If you've been in church around, you probably have heard that. As a matter of fact, a history teacher of mine in high school told me that this was the passage, this is how much public schools have changed in the last 28 years, uh, but read this and said this was the Bible verse that motivated uh, the pilgrims to come to America because they thought that God's judgment was going to hit and God, when, when he slams his fist down, I quote, his aim's not very good and he hits everybody, so we need to get out of here. Okay? I remember him saying that. Okay? But what the, people of, what the people who have told me that and everything don't understand is that Paul was not talking about society in this, in this passage. As a matter of fact, if you look through human history, you history buffs out there will know that there's never been a time in human history since Adam and Eve that this right here has not been a reality. 
It's been that way since the beginning, and it will be that way until the Lord returns again. Society has always had these things. What Paul is talking about in this is he's talking about the church. He's saying that in the last times, this is what the church is going to look like. Now that's scary. This is what the church is going to look like. Um, the church in the end times, Paul is saying, is going to be a compromised, lukewarm, off-mission, spiritually immature church. One of the greatest, let's go back and see what it looks like. This is what Paul is saying the church is going to look like. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. This is all going to be going on in the church, you guys. Ungrateful, unholy. Imagine that. He's saying that the church in the end times is going to be unholy, not devoted to Christ. Without love, I'm sorry, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to the parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then it says this, having a form of godliness but denying its power. In other words, you, we easily say God bless you when someone sneezes. That takes no great commitment. We easily, when someone has a problem, say, I'm praying for you, prayers, because that's no great commitment. And, and, and in the end times, the, the church will easily give thanks to God for some raise that you get at work or some good fortune, but it will not surrender to Christ, not acknowledge his power, that his commands are absolute, will not be in submission to Christ. What Paul is saying here, having a form of godliness but denying its power. One of the greatest marks of immaturity in life is inconsistency. When, when, when the adults in here were teenagers, <clears throat> you guys remember those days? Um, yeah, when the adults in here were teenagers, we were very inconsistent with our actions. Um, all over the place. We're into this one week, into this the next week. And, and just, just a note, about a quarter or more of our church is under the age of 18. That is awesome. And, and you all are here. You all are great. You all are awesome. And the people next door, I love them. Those teenagers under, under 18 that are joining us online, we love you. You're awesome. This is your church, you guys. This is your church. We're all over the place. We're on that stage. If any of you were Christians in the teenage years, <laughs> it was nothing for us as teenagers to get fired up and full of the Holy Spirit on a weekend retreat, right? And then Monday, be a completely different person among our non-Christian friends, right? And that's often criticized and everything, uh, and everything. but that, that's, that's not so much bad as it is immature. When you're immature, you're inconsistent. That's a mark of immaturity. That's the way God designed it, okay? There's nothing wrong with that in that phase. Like I said, immaturity, if it's a phase, is okay. But, uh, but it's, and a matter of fact, immaturity can even be a gift to the church because with immaturity comes passion and vigor and new ideas, okay? But it's not okay if immaturity is a lifestyle or the norm. Okay, it's destructive, both for people in the church. See, the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3, 13, 11, sorry, 13, 11, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I talked like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish things away. And that is the call of the Holy Spirit 
to Catalyst Christian Church in 2021. It is when we were spiritually mature, we thought and we acted like those who were spiritually mature. When we became disciples of Christ, we put those things away. We moved on to maturity. I'm a parent. Two of my kids are adults. I've seen the whole gamut from infant to adult. Um, it, it's, it's been really neat. And I remember the bottle phase. How many parents remember the bottle phase when you had to it, 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 give them the bottle? Anybody remember that? Yeah, some of you parents are there right now, and I'm praying for you, okay? But, and and, and the, the way it worked was when, you're first, when you have a first child, you know, you're not supposed to microwave it and everything because it might heat unevenly and, and everything. So you boil water. Anybody remember that? You boil water, and then you stick the bottle down in there, and so it heats up evenly. <laughs> By the time the fourth child comes along, microwave. <laughs> you know, just I remember the bottle phase and my kids needed me to feed them this bottle and needed my wife who had the real stuff. And, and, and then, then if you remember, parents, the next phase was that awful rice cereal stuff with Gerber baby food. And, and I can remember, I think every parent does this. You, you taste it for you. are like, oh my goodness, this stuff is awful. And, and so you're feeding your kid, and your, your kid's making faces and spitting out. You're like, eat it. And I'm like, I wouldn't even eat this myself. This stuff is awful. It's terrible. I remember those phases. Now, no one criticized my children for needing me to spoon feed them at that age because that's a necessary phase. But if my grown children, who are 21, 19, and we got our 15-year-old, 14-year-old, needed me to do that now, there'd be a problem. If my 21-year-old daughter still needed me to rock her to sleep in a rocking chair, there'd be a problem. See, immaturity is not a problem if it's a phase. It's a problem if it's a lifestyle. So what does maturity look like? In the, in the life of a believer, what does maturity look like? We've seen the dangers of spiritual immaturity. This, number two, th this is what it looks like, okay? We desire two things in the life of our people. Um, uh, several years ago, our leadership went away, and we decided that so many pastors, so many churches were so concerned with how many people are coming in. Let's just get people in, let's get people in, let's get people in. And they weren't giving any thought to what kind of people we're coming out. What kind of people are we producing as a result of our ministries? And so we went away and, and, and we, we kind of got alone and we kind of boiled it down. What kind of people do we want to come out of Catalyst Christian Church? And we figured out two things. After searching scripture, one thing we wanted our people to be and one thing we wanted our people to do. We believe this is what spiritual maturity looks like. Number one, we want to be people. We want to have people who exhibit the fruit of the Spirit in greater and greater amounts. Now, the thing about fruit of the Spirit, you think about an apple tree. An apple, what grows on an apple tree? Apples, okay? The, the tree is producing fruit because that's what it is, okay? So in Galatians 5, 22 through 23, I say this all the time and I'll keep saying it because this is the mark of a Spirit-filled life. The Spirit-filled life looks like this. Through the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We want people in this church to exhibit those things to a greater and greater and greater degree. That is the goal. If we as Catalyst Christian Church are producing people with those characteristics, that means that their life is under control of the Holy Spirit and we're doing our job. So if you want to know what a Catalyst Christian Church person is supposed to look like, underline Galatians 5, 22-23 and underline it and commit it to memory because that is what we, that's what we want as a church. We want people filled with that. The second thing, that's what we want our people to be. The second thing is what we want our people to do. What we believe mature believers do. All right? And it is found in Matthew 28, 18. We want to be people who are committed to the Great Commission. Jesus said this right before he left the earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We are called people to make disciples. That is the call of Jesus Christ. It is the call of the Holy Spirit on his church. That is what we are here to do. So we are called to be people that exhibit through the Spirit. We're called to make disciples. And so that is what we want. That is what we believe is the goal of people in this church. Right? Said so we also have we have two things we want to produce in our people. So you say, what does it mean to be a member of Catholic Christian Church? Well, that means I'm a person that exhibits through the Spirit. I'm a person that is committed to making disciples. That's it. That's what we want. And we believe that if you are, if we're producing those kinds of people, we're going to have a great church. All right? Can you imagine having a church full of people exhibiting through the Spirit and then who are making disciples? And, that, and that, that, that's like the greatest thing in the world. Okay? That's what we want. We also, we have, a, a, for a Catalyst Christian Church member, for maturity, what we want, we have two time slots. We understand that everybody's busy. Everyone is. All right? I'm busy. You're busy. Everyone's busy. And what we found is that asking too much of, our, too much of a time commitment to our people uh, basically turns, it, it, we lose people when we ask too much. And so what, I'm, what we want in the, in the lives of people at Catalyst is this. We want you to commit to two time slots. Two time slots, that's it. Two, and we're going to do as much of our work as we can in those two time slots. The first one is Sunday morning. I want to ask you, in 2021, if you are part of this church, never miss a Sunday with in-person and online, you got no excuse. I'm sorry, I'm calling it out. No excuse. Absolutely no excuse to miss a Sunday morning. It used to be we could say we're sick. No, can't do that anymore. You can log on. Used to be, well, I'm playing soccer. Nope, you can sit there and watch it on your phone when you're in the car. You know, there's no excuse. So whether you're online or in person, we want you to commit to the time slot of Sunday morning. We believe in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, where God says, do not stop meeting together. We need each other. And the second thing that we want you to commit to is a community group. Community groups uh, meet throughout the week in people's homes. Uh, John Kelly is organizing some online for people that, that still can't, uh, can't meet with people. Um, but we are emphasizing those two things. That's it. In a community group, you're not in one, you eat a meal together, you fellowship, you discuss the sermon, um, you, you do things together, you work on projects together if you want. It's very fluid, but it is a small community of people that meet, meet weekly. Two time slots, Sunday morning, 
community group. That's what we want for you. And then we have other things like youth group and men's Bible study, women's, if you want to. But we want you those two things to, be, uh, to commit to. So I'm asking to, uh, for maturity. You commit to never miss on a Sunday morning. You commit to a community group. Last year, we had about 80% of our people in community groups. We want to continue to build upon that. All right, so that is what we want. We want people that are committed to the Great Commission, people that are producing through the Spirit. And here are five marks of a spiritually mature church. She's kind of laying out a vision for what I want this church to be, what, what this church needs to be in 2021 as we move towards maturity. These are five things that I believe we need to shoot for. Five things. Number one, a five, a mark of a spiritually mature church has a clear mission. Clear mission. We know what we're here to do. We know why we're doing it. And we're, we're unashamedly committed to it. All right? Luke 19.10, Jesus says this. He, he knew why he was here. He knew exactly what he was doing. He said, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Came to seek and save the lost. And if that is Jesus' mission, I think that should be ours too. Amen? We exist to save people from hell. We exist to bring the lost to Jesus Christ. That is our mission. And when churches lose that mission, they get bogged down in all kinds of silliness and stupidity, and they are completely ineffective in reaching the world. We are here to reach the lost and disciple the committed. That's what the Great Commission says to do, and that's what we are going to do. And so if anyone says, what do you guys, what, 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 what's the point of Catholic Christian Church? What are you guys here for? Seek and save the lost. That's what we're here for. You say, well, well, no, I thought churches were this, 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 this. No, Jesus said he was here to seek and save the lost, so we figure that's pretty good. Okay? So in order to keep that, um, I, need, I need three volunteers. I'm not going to make you do anything. I just need three people up here on stage. Who, who will join me? All right. Yeah, come on up. Yeah, come on up. And come on up. Okay. All right, I need you guys to stand right here. Stand right there, Kim. You're in the middle. And Ringo right there. Okay, everybody say hey to Sam, Kim, and Ringo. Or say hey. All right, you join us online. Okay, well, we have a policy around here. I want to just let you guys know here. Some of you have seen this before, but we're going to reiterate it today. Um, I see constantly... Things on Facebook and everything where it said that Jesus hung out with sinners. Have I seen that? Jesus hung out with sinners. See that? Okay. Um, you know that that's kind of inaccurate. Jesus hung out with sinners the same way an EMT hangs out with a heart attack patient. I, I guess they're hanging out, but he's not there to hang out. He's there to save them. Okay. That's what Jesus was doing. Okay. So um, what I found in the study of scripture was that Jesus spent about 95% of his time with two groups of people. He spent about, well, he, well, yeah, about 95% of the time, spent about half that time with the lost, with people like uh, tax collectors, with prostitutes, with lepers, with people that, that were lost, okay? And he spent the other half with his disciples, discipling the committed. That's how Jesus organized his time. And so what we have here and believe me, this is no commentary on your spiritual states, okay, all right? What we have here is we have three groups of people. In any church, in any society, we have the lost. <laughs> He's had a terrible example. Is what it, we have the committed, and we have the lukewarm in the middle. 
See, what I've found in churches, most churches don't spend much time here with the lost. They really don't. They don't really spend a lot of time here. They figure these people are okay. You know where they spend most of their time? is right here. Because this is usually the loudest group in a church. <laughs> no, you're not the fun people. You <laughs> cause headaches for pastors. No, this is where churches spend most of the time because these people are the loudest. What the Bible calls lukewarm. If you remember in, 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 uh, in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus says that he will spit the lukewarm people out of his mouth. And that is where, that's the, that's where most, of the, most of the churches spend their time. So what I told, what I told the staff when I've told this church is that we're going to organize our time like, we, like Jesus did. We're going to spend half our time reaching the lost. We're going to spend half our time discipling the committed. Now, these, these people here are here by choice. This is, not, this is not a commentary on someone who is new to the faith. That is not what we're talking about. We're talking about someone who is here by choice, who has decided that lukewarmness is their goal. They, they have enough Jesus. Don't have enough money, don't have enough house, don't have enough car, don't have enough or whatever, but we got enough Jesus. And all of my spiritual victories are in the past. I'm not planning on growing at all. I'm not planning on doing anything. I'm just going to sit here. That's what is known as lukewarm. And so you can expect in 2021 us to spend half our time reaching the lost in prisons, people in addiction, People who don't know Christ, atheists, hardcore, as, as hardcore as they are, that's who we're spending half our time with. And the other half of our time we're spending discipling the committed. We're going to love these people because we love them. And we're going to encourage them to move over here. But if they don't, we're going to say we're going to love you, but we're not going to spend much time with you because you're there by choice. All right? So that's it. We have to be clear on our mission that we're here to reach the lost, disciple the committed, and love these people, hopefully bringing them over here. That's what our clear mission is. Okay? Thank you guys very much. Good job. Well done. Did a great job of standing there, guys. Well done. So that's, we have a clear mission, what we're here to do. That's what a mature church knows. That way it can't be sidelined by this or that or the other. We have a clear mission. The second thing is that we are committed to a statement that founded the Christian church back in, 18, back in the 1800s. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, love. Where churches get in trouble, where spiritually immature churches get sidetracked is when they get bogged down in non-essentials. I, I, I went to seminary in the 90s in the middle of the worship wars. The worship wars where there was traditional and contemporary worship and, and both sides thought the other side was blaspheming. And they were, it got really ugly. Well, the, the style of worship, the style of music became the essential thing in church. And I can't, I can't imagine that Satan was having a better time. Because both contemporary and traditional, hopefully, preached that Jesus Christ was Lord and Savior. Salvation is found only in him. That's the essential See, the church that's spiritually healthy recognizes the difference between the essential and non-essential. Essential to be a Christian. What does it take to be a Christian? It's an acknowledgement that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, that salvation is found only in him. That those who, 
those who surrender to him will have eternal life. That's the essential. If you don't agree on that, I'll, I can be friends with you, but you're not a Christian. I'm sorry. Okay? The not everything else is not essential. It's up for, it's up for individual choice. Someone said we don't want to make the doors of our church narrower than the doors of heaven. So we're not going to get bogged down in non-essentials. We're going to stick to the essential that Christ is Lord and Savior. In non-essentials, liberty. You may like a different worship style. You may like a different mode of dress. You may like the NIV better than the King James. I, I don't, that, that's, those are non-essentials. Okay? We're not going to get bogged down in those. And in all things, love. See, immaturity goes to war over everything. Easily angered, easily upset. Immaturity it, it, it explodes at, at, at everything. Maturity knows what to go to war over. Okay, so that's what, that's what we have to understand. In essentials, unity. Not essentials, liberty. And all things, love. That's the mark of a spiritually mature church. Right? Number three, consistency of members, teaching, and actions. Listen to this in Acts chapter 26, verse 20. Paul said this, first to those in Damascus, then those in Jerusalem and all Judea, then to the Gentiles. That's a lot of different people. How many people was he talking about here? Those in Damascus, those in Jerusalem and all Judea, and then to the Gentiles. Different groups of people. What did he do? I preached they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate the repentance by their deeds. Paul, Paul had one message, you guys. It didn't matter where he was going. He had one message, and that is what we need. We need one message as a church. One thing, right? Consistency. Immaturity is inconsistent. Like I said, wild swings from this to that. Periods of time of high devotion to Christ by, by, by equally uh, running away from him. Uh, and, and so what we need, as you mature, you become more consistent, okay? That's how you know you're maturing. You become more consistent in your actions, in your beliefs, in, your, in your, your deeds, in your words. That is the mark of maturity, consistency. Um, John Piper wrote an article about 20 years ago that inspired me to no end, and he called it the call for coronary Christians. The call for coronary Christians, coronary mean heart, he started off by saying, I'm thankful for my adrenal glands. So I, I, I really, I like them a lot. And as a matter of fact, they helped me, probably helped me through some Sundays, but he said, I can't live on adrenaline. Sooner or later, adrenaline's gonna give out. He said, I'm a lot more thankful for my heart. My heart keeps serving day in, day out, good times, bad times, um, uh, when I'm tired, when I'm in a good mood, bad mood, when I, I feel the world's against me, when I'm on top of the world, my heart keeps serving. And he instituted a call for coronary Christians, ones that stay consistent week in, week out, year in, year out, decade, de decade through decade, eons, that is what we need. We need people that serve when they don't feel like it. We need people that, that, are, that are here in worship even if they don't feel like it. Why? Because someone there might need them and that is they are being consistent because that's what mature believers do, okay? Coronary Christians, not adrenal Christians, not the short burst and then fall away just as quickly. I've seen plenty of them. I have. And it's very, very frustrating to see that. I'm much more impressed with people that are consistent day in, day out, week in, 
week out, year in, year out. That's a mark of maturity, right? We need, we need consistency in attendance, in giving, in prayer, in study, in discipling others. We need consistency in those things. That's the mark of a mature church, okay? Number four, probably the biggest one, able to reproduce. Mark of a spiritually healthy church, mature church, is the ability to reproduce. Acts 14, 21 through 23 writes this. They preached the gospel, meaning Paul and Silas, in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they put their trust. In other words, Paul and Barnabas did not see themselves as the only ones to preach. They appointed elders everywhere they went. They made disciples and then they moved on, made disciples and moved on. And guys, that is how the early church exploded. They were able to reproduce. One of the biggest physical marks of physical maturity that everyone goes through is rapid physical immaturity that everyone goes through is rapid growth. I don't know if you know that or not. Physical immaturity is characterized by rapid growth. When you're a baby, you grew fast. When you hit your teenage years, growth spurt. Big sign of immaturity. Now, the mark of physical maturity is that you stop growing, right? Every one of us eventually will stop growing. But, and, and every church will start, stop growing at some point. Every church will stop growing. But when you stop growing, something shifts within you. You stop growing and you begin being able to have children. Your, your, your focus changes, okay? Um, and so when we, when, when we as a church reach maturity, one of the signs of being a spiritually mature church is the ability to have children, to be able to reproduce. You, you, did you know that 90% of churches never plant another church? 90%. Now, can you imagine if 90% of adults in America didn't have children? What would happen to our, to our country? It would die out, okay? And so one of the marks of a mature church is the ability to reproduce. All right, we have to move our mindset from the grow our church mindset to grow the kingdom mindset. That's what spiritually mature people think. They, they're not so much concerned with their own church. It's about how can we build the kingdom. And so what if catalysts remain 200 to 300 people our entire existence but planted 50 churches? And those 50 churches planted 50 churches or 10, or 20. What kind of kingdom impact could we at 101 North 1st Street in rinky-dink Nicholasville have on this world? We can keep trying to cram people into this building and online that only get us so far. That's the immature thinking. But mature thinking says, how do we grow the kingdom? And if you want to use physical terminology, Catalyst right now is pregnant. We're expecting. We're going to give birth in August. 
September, whenever it is. Kids never make, make their due date, you know. They never do. Rob and his team's kicking around in the stomach right now. Yep. And I couldn't be more excited. Couldn't be more excited. Because that means we're reaching spiritual maturity. And as soon as, our, as Elevate, our new church plan in Lexington, launches, we're going to support it like a good parent does. And we're going to start looking for our next one. We're going to start looking. We're going to be a church that has children, lots of them. And we must be able to reproduce. Not only as a church, though, as people. And I'm going to make a controversial statement. It's going to upset some people. I hope it doesn't. I really don't. I don't want to upset people, but, but I'm going to say this. That you're not a disciple until you've made a disciple. I'm going to say that. If you cannot reproduce your faith in another person, not only does the church need to produce other churches, but Christians have to produce other Christians. If you cannot make your faith live in someone else, then you're not a disciple yet. If you can't pass on your faith and, and, and make it live, like I said, you're not a disciple yet. And I'm going to speak to the ones that are here and online. It is our job to reproduce. That's the mark of a mature believer in Christ is that you can make another disciple. That's, what, that, that's a mark. And, and th- those of you that are, that are here and online, a lot of us, because of COVID, either we, we kind of isolated ourselves away or it, we limited our interactions at, 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 with others. Do you know it is still your responsibility to make disciples? It is still your responsibility to make disciples. God did not say go into all the world and make disciples unless there's a pandemic. There are people that need you right now. They need discipleship. They need your wisdom. They need Jesus Christ, and you're the only one that can give him to can can give it to them. So you're not disciple until you make a disciple. For all of you here and online. There's an opportunity. I was contacted by Revive Lifehouse about two weeks ago, and they asked if there were any men, sorry ladies, um, any men who could be mentors to men in recovery. You spend an hour a week simply passing on your faith to them, encouraging them, praying for them, studying scripture with them. These men who are actively asking for Christian mentors. You don't even have to go find them. They're already asking, they're approaching you. All you have to do is step up and say yes. And as long as they're in at Revive and if they stay in this area, you can continue to be mentors for them. We need that. We need that. These men need that. They need Jesus. They need discipleship. And if you consider yourself a spiritually mature Christian, I wanna challenge you to step up to do that. Come send me an email, send me a text, contact me on Facebook, let me know if you want to do that and I will hook you up with the guys at Revive. I, I'm currently doing that with two, two guys. I meet for an hour a week. It's, it's awesome. We're just going through First and Second Timothy and Titus, what it means to be a Christian man. That's all we're doing. And we meet for about an hour a week and it's awesome. So I wanna invite you to do that. But being taken forward to maturity means you move from being a consumer to being a producer, all right? How many of y'all have, if y'all are adults, have kids in the home? You do? Okay. How many of you at one point were, was a kid in a home? Okay. Everybody was? All right. All right. So 
Um, this is not a controversial thing if you've ever been a kid in the home or you have kids in the home, all right? Uh, when, when I was a teenager, I was a taker. Sorry, mom and dad. Um, I was a taker. Um, I, 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 I didn't pay rent or bills. Um, parents had to pay for travel ball, uh, all the stuff that I, I consumed. That was a necessary stage of life I was in. Uh, we don't pay rent or bills. Uh, you know, we leave lights on. Every single light in the house is left on, mind you. Our activities cost, like I said, travel ball, food, health insurance, clothes. We're takers when we're in that stage of life, and that's okay. When we become adults, especially parents, we, move, we put more into the family than we take. Through parents, through adults. When you become an adult, you put in more than you take out in everything. That's a mark of maturity, all right? We move from being consumers to being producers, producers of ministry, producers of disciples, producers. We give more to the church than we take. We give more to the body of Christ than we take. We are producers, not consumers. We fund things that don't directly benefit us. I mean, I, I do that all the time. I fund my kids' light habits, they don't benefit me, but I pay for it anyway. You know, uh, that's what adults do as parents. That's what mature Christians do. And one of the driving goals of 2021, church, is to move as many of us as possible from being consumers to being producers. There are a lot of producers in here and online. There are a lot of producers. There are a lot of consumers in here who take more than they give. And like I said, if that is a necessary phase you're going through, that's fine. If You've been stuck in that phase for 20 or 30 years. Something wrong, okay? So the fifth mark of a spiritually mature church is this, healthy at all levels. Healthy at all levels. We must be healthy at all levels. Now, there are four things in the human body that make up the human body. The most basic level, cells. The second the, a group of cells is called a tissue. A group of tissues is called an organ. A group of organs is called the body. Okay, that's the way God designed it. In the church, the same thing. We have the most basic unit in the church is the person. Then we have the family. Then we have the church. And then we have the body of Christ. Okay, we, if we're not healthy at any one of those levels, we're going to die. Everybody knows that there's a pandemic going on. How does a tiny virus kill a human being? One cell at a time, right? If you take out the, the, the body at the most basic level, the whole body dies. So we need healthy people for the church to be healthy. We need spiritually healthy people. We need people that, are, that have confessed their sin before God and are in a growing relationship with them, being healthy. And healthy people get together and have healthy families. We have to have healthy families. This past year, I, f I felt like an EMT, you guys. I felt like an EMT. Uh, the, the family has taken a major beating, especially marriage, this past year. I mean, I, there was a period of five days, guys, I got three calls from families that I dearly love that told me husband and wife are splitting up in five days. And so next, next week, we're starting a series on marriage called The Countercultural Marriage. We're gonna shore up our, the marriages in this, in this church and in our community. We're gonna, we're gonna get that healthy because we've gotta be healthy at that level. And then a group of families together is called the church, the local church. We have to be healthy there, and then a healthy bunch of healthy churches make a healthy body of Christ. 
That's what we have to be. So if, if your body is sick, you go to the doctor. If your church is sick, you go to the great physician. We submit ourselves to him and allow him to heal us. So if there's anything sick in this church, any unconfessed sin, any toxic line of thinking, any, anything that's going to destroy us, we need to take care of it. If it's a divisive person, they need to leave. I don't negotiate with cancer cells. I want them out. Divisive person, I want them out. We want every type of sinner, every type of addict, every type of broken person in here, but if there's a person that's going to destroy this church, we want them out. We've got to stay healthy, plain and simple. And unfortunately, there have been divisive people that we've had to tell to leave for the good of the body. Okay? Now, we're never going to tell someone that is repentant, someone that is broken, someone that is seeking God, we don't want you. We will never say that. We will, we will tell someone who's trying to break up families or cause division or this kind of thing, we will tell them to leave. That's the only person we'll ever tell to leave because we have to stay healthy. Okay? We have to stay healthy as a church. That's what spiritually mature churches do. And one of the greatest ways is that we guard our Sunday mornings. Those of you that are new, we have a saying around here. It's called Sunday is for worship only. All right? Everybody say it with me. Sunday is for worship only. There are two things that we will deal with on a Sunday morning that do not deal with worship. One is if the building's on fire. We will deal with that, okay? Second, if someone is being murdered out in the parking lot, we'll take care of that too. Other than that, we will do nothing on Sunday mornings except worship. This is not the time to hash it out with somebody that you got into a, an argument with last week. This is not the time to tell the pastor that they don't, you don't like what happened on the youth retreat. This is not the time to say, uh, it, 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 you know, I, I didn't like what you preached last week. There's Monday through Saturday for that, okay? Monday through Saturday. And we've instructed all our leaders, all our elders, to guard our Sunday mornings. We are guarding like the apple of our eye our Sunday morning time. When you come here, you should have nothing on your mind but worship. Nothing but worship. We get one hour a week together, y'all. Let's not spend it doing anything except worship. If you have a problem or something, church is open Monday through Friday. Come talk. Don't bring it to Sunday morning. Don't bring it to Sunday morning. We must be spiritually healthy as a church. And it seems like a no-brainer, but you'd be amazed how many churches, how many churches Sunday morning is a drama fest, a gossip fest, that everything in the world happens except worship. Sunday is for worship only. Guard our Sunday mornings and stay spiritually healthy, spiritually mature. I want to invite the band to come on up. We don't want to be as a church a mile wide and an inch deep. We do not want to be that. We as a church, as people, as community groups, as leaders, as elders, as normal folks, need to desire maturity. Maturity. Not flying from thing to thing, not easily upset or afraid, but knowing our mission, knowing what we're here for, 
knowing what we're, what we're called to do, committed to producing fruit of the Spirit in each and every person, to greater and greater degrees, committed to making disciples and winning the lost. That's what we're here for. If you're here for anything else, it's in the church for you. That's what we're here to do. Standing upon the rock of Jesus Christ, trusting in him, the salvation is found in him, in him alone, standing against culture that says the opposite, that salvation is found only in Christ Jesus. He's the only way to heaven, and we make no apologies for that. Christ is the Savior of the world, and hope is found in him, and him alone. That is what we're about. There's no other path, no other way for people to be saved. And it is our job, church, to be the conveyors of that truth to this world that so desperately needs that truth. So that is what we're going to be doing in 2021. We're going to be moving forward into maturity, growing deeper as people and as a church as we win the lost. Pray with me. Heavenly Fathers, we uh, look forward to talking.